It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFT studios, Joshua Gregory, CFP, and Ryan Fair, CFP, CPA. That's right. Well, tax season is getting started. And like so many recent years here, there are so many significant changes in the tax code that you need to begin planning for. So Ryan Fair, CPA, is back in the program today to help break down what you need to know and when the changes occur. Okay. Okay. okay so listen, when, when Cindy and I watch movies, she is like on every plot twist and she's like, oh my goodness. And I occasionally I just have to stop and say, well, you know, honey, someone's made all this up. Like all these changes, all these situations. <laughs> didn't really happen. Someone's making this up. So, of course, they're trying to mess with you. It <laughs> feels Congress. like someone's make, <laughs> making this up with all these tax law changes. We're going to start with that. Just a mountain, a tidal wave of tax law changes. We're going to help you with that. If you have any questions for the program, and we get a lot of tax questions, tax planning questions, we're here to help. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. Then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Mostly on the YouTube channel, that's where we get a lot of engagement, but search the Wise Money Show, find us there. All right, so so speaking of, it's it's like someone's making this up. It's mm-hmm. like someone's messing with us. If you if you add it up, Ryan, did you do this? All of the tax law changes? Uh, no, I'm in denial. <laughs> from, from, let's He's say- He's dead to the tax law changes. Nope. He just rolls with it by no, now. <laughs> November of, of 2019 till to, to right now, I bet there's- I, well, I know there's more than 10,000 pages of tax law changes. Um, there's probably more tax law changes snuck into these four years mm-hmm. than probably the previous two decades combined. Hmm. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I have the list here, and Ryan, maybe you can remember these. You know, Secure Act 2.0 just passed on Christmas Eve. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We've got shows upcoming about all the changes with Secure Act 2.0. We're going to touch on some of those today. But Secure Act 1.0 is really what kicked it all off. That was enormous tax legislation, mm-hmm. November of 19. And then we had Families First COVID Response Act of March in March of 20. First round of stimulus, lots of changes. Then we had the CARES Act a couple weeks later in March of 20. We had the second stimulus, or third, I think it was, um, in December of 20. We had American Rescue Plan Act February of 21. And then now, just less than two years later, the Secure Act 2.0. Mm. My blood pressure just skyrocketed, I know, and I, I have tears trickling down my <laughs> cheeks right now. My, so, and those brought about significant. Now, you might be listening, saying, "Well, yeah, you know, we were going through COVID shutdown, COVID, and and so they, of course, made a lot of uh, special circumstances for right then. No, they they changed tax deadlines. They created new withdrawals that you can take out of your out of your retirement account, they changed everything. So, Ryan right. has the scars to prove it. Yeah, too, that's right? true. Unbelievable. But I would argue, and and this is why the Wise Money Show exists: financial planning. Mm-hmm. Your financial plan has changed. Your financial decisions will change because of Secure Act 2.0. That that for sure, and they've certainly changed over the past few years. So we're trying to help you take all of these tax law changes into context and help you make wise decisions. Your, but, the, your financial plan is not a one and done either. Right. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, we see clients that, oh, I did a financial plan two years ago and uh, 
I should be good. Yeah. Right. No, stuff changes constantly, and that's why you need a financial planner to keep you in the loop. Yeah, and we don't share these tax laws expecting you to become an expert either, right? right? This is more to make you aware of the places where your own planning needs to be adjusted. Maybe there are conversations you need to be having with your your CPA, with your certified financial planner. I, I feel like this is one of those commercials, you know, all these prescription drugs where they <sighs> tell you, talk to your doctor about such and such. Yeah. And you're like, I, I don't even know what that drug is for. What yeah. am I supposed to talk to my doctor about? We're, we're going to hopefully educate you a little bit better than those commercials. But it is something, it's personal application. You've got to then work with your CFP who's working with your CPA and collaborate and make some decisions. So let's start with tax law changes that are going to impact 2022, meaning the tax return that you're going to file right now, spring of 2023. Ryan, we talked about some of these updates a few months ago, but there's then been some <laughs> updates from that even. So so help yeah. us. So yeah, one of the big things that we rolled out in the last, uh, last radio show that I was on to, of what to expect for this upcoming tax season, they've changed it all since mm -hmm. that last show. So yep. one of the things that I pointed out on that last show was, hey, there's going to be some big changes with this 1099K new form that's going to be rolling out that everybody is going to get that, you know, does any sort of online transactions, basically like, you know, PayPal and personal stuff, Venmo, you know, everybody's going to get this 1099K in the mail if you did over $600 worth of transactions. Well, luckily, uh, enough people spoke to the IRS that they they put it on hold for this tax year. So, right at the end of the year. Exactly. <laughs> they just put it on hold right yeah. at the end of, of uh, 2022. So they've pushed it off for another year, I think one one or two years. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't they said seen. The 24 filing season. So I think that they're referring to the 2023 taxes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. so basically, we've got another year for everybody to understand and, you know, figure out what's going on. But obviously, if it is the 24 filing season, year of 2023 taxes that means your record keeping needs to start yeah. last month in january yeah. so here's the thing if you if if you go to your barber as i did this morning and you pay them using venmo well they should that barber should be counting all of that income anyway because that's their business mm -hmm. and it's just now the old rules venmo wouldn't have sent him a 1099 and now they will or when these new rules are implemented mm -hmm. um so that's one scenario but if you're going out for dinner with another couple and you split the price of the pizza or something like that and you venmo them you shouldn't get a tax form for that and that shouldn't be taxable and even with this rule change that doesn't that doesn't change that it's just we were talking last time that my guess is there are going to be a lot of people that got these 1099Ks by mistake. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then they had to report it on their tax return and try to clarify the mistake. Right. Hopefully this delay helps reduce some of those mistakes. Yeah, it gives the companies time to figure out, you know, how to change their systems of what should be taxable and what shouldn't be taxable and how to, how to note all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and we even said back in the fall of 2022, hey, guess what? This is coming. But you haven't known about it all year, exactly. so good luck going back in time and trying to build all of the documentation and your record keeping and everything. At least now you're hearing about it. Here we are. It's still early in the year. You can respond. You can put some of your own procedures in place. But uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll see uh, how this one plays out as well. Yeah. The, the other real quick example, if you're just hearing this or if you're wanting to be prepared, is I actually got an email from, you know, my kids are in a bunch of sports. And so some of their used 
baseball bats I sold this past year. Mm-hmm. And it total, I mean, I think I sold three of them. It didn't add up to 600 bucks, not even close. But they sent me an email saying, here's your transaction history for the year. And by the way, all of those bats were used and they were sold. I, I bought them at a high level and sold them at a lower price. But it did jog my memory of, okay, if it would have equaled over $600, I would need to just report, hey, I bought this bat for X, I sold it for Y. And but that's personal property, so you couldn't take a loss on it either. Correct. It can't take yeah, a loss, but at least it's not, well, hey, you, you have, have, you have yeah. $430 total of total sales. That's all taxable, all taxable now. Right? No. Exactly. That's so. All right, Ryan, what other changes do we need to be aware of? So, yeah, big changes. Um, just a reminder about the child tax credit. That was a uh, during 2021's tax, uh, the tax year, 2021, they, they increased all of the child tax credits significantly mostly due to the COVID uh, stuff, just to get extra money in people's hands. So those drop back down to, I guess, quote unquote, normal rates this year. So it's down to $2,000 per child. Um, so that's, and it has to be, the, the child has to be under age 17 right. again, which is the way it always was, except for last year, it was up to 18. Uh, so that reverted back to the old, old law. And then another big thing related to kids is even bigger than the child tax credit, I would say, is the child independent care credit. So this is the daycare related credit that, um, you know, parents get for sending their kids paying for daycare or uh, supervision while they go to work. And that credit for 2021 was huge. Yeah. Uh, and so they've reverted back to the old, old laws where it's, you're allowed to count up to $3,000 worth of expenses for one child, up to $6,000 of expenses for two or more children. And most taxpayers are going to be getting a 20% tax credit on that. Yeah. We love talking about tax credits because it is like dollar for dollar yep. reduction in the amount of tax that you end up paying. But when they drop off, when you stop being eligible for those credits, it's a dollar for dollar increase in, in the other direction. And so just be aware, this is one of, one of those parts of the tax return that can really swing your outcomes from year to year if you're not paying attention. Yep. All right. So what other changes are happening that you need to be aware of when you file this year? And what what about all the changes that are happening from this point moving forward? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you prepared for all the tax law changes that are happening right now? I mean, they've just crammed it down our throats. It's going to impact you are you prepared, one, and are you capturing opportunities? Number two, we're helping you with both of those. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFT studios, Josh Gregory and special guest Ryan Fair. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, along with a lot of other content. So, guys, go check that out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, and subscribe to it there. All right, so we're we're starting with changes that are going to impact your 2022 tax return that you're filing right now. So we hit 1099K is being paused. Okay. Uh, child tax credit, child dependent care credit, those are big reductions in tax credit. So families, gosh, mm-hmm. through COVID, families, you got a lot more tax credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that's being stripped back to, to I, I'm kind of shocked. E- even the child dependent care one, I don't know anyone that is working full time, needing childcare, and it's only costing three grand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I got mine. It was nowhere near three grand. Um, so, what other changes do people need to be aware of for filing their 2022 return? 
So yeah, 2022, um, we had a, a reduction, or we have currently a reduction in some of the charitable contribution limits. So if you remember back to the last two tax years, uh, you were allowed to deduct some charitable contributions, even if you did not itemize deductions. So most people do not itemize deductions anymore for mm-hmm. for Schedule A because the, the limits are so high now. So on top of the standard deduction, the last couple of years, clients could deduct up to $600 uh, last year for charitable contributions. That went away for 2022's filing year. So in order to deduct any charitable contributions, you have to fully itemize deductions on Schedule A. Mm-hmm. So that just means you have to exceed the standard deduction to get any real benefit. And that's a, that's a small one, but yeah. going through the fall, as I was sharing it with people, it was, oh, really? They got rid of that? Yeah. It, it's surprising. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Another one that uh, could affect a few taxpayers this year that uh, with all the, the housing changes, uh, in years past, you've been able to deduct your mortgage insurance. So not insurance on your home, but mortgage insurance that you're paying, that extra amount that you're you're paying to the bank saying that you won't default on your mortgage. So you may know it as PMI or some people call it MIP. Uh, it's huh. it's got a name it's got abbreviation for for both. Oh, so interesting. interesting. So yeah, if you're not familiar with this, if you uh, go to buy a house and you don't have at least 20% equity to put down on that house or a large down payment maybe from a prior home or you've just been saving for a long time, then essentially in the bank size you are a higher risk. And so they build in some extra coverage, not to protect you, it's to protect them. Mm-hmm. And if you were to default on your loan, it helps to make them whole, but it's called private mortgage insurance or the MIP. What would that be? Mortgage, mortgage insurance, private? Protection, <laughs> protection insurance? Weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I personally haven't heard of it before, but it used to be that you could at least write those uh, those premiums off on your tax return as long as you were itemizing. Yeah. Most people aren't itemizing anymore. And you can't write it off even if you are. Okay, so what, what do you think? You think more people are going to itemize this year? I mean, th- think about this. Interest rates mm-hmm. for your mortgage, if you moved, it's doubled in the, in the past year. So now the amount of interest is significantly higher. And because values of properties have gone up. Uh, the Mortgages are bigger. The mortgage yeah. is bigger. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's possible. I would say for sure in 2023 or right, tax when you year have a 2023. Year. But, but yeah, the rates started shooting up last you know at the end of right, last year so right and i did look it up it's mortgage insurance premium uh-huh. MIP. you know that standard deduction though keeps on ratcheting up as well yep. so the the threshold of expenses that you need to accumulate on your own keeps getting larger you know this uh this year 2023 it'll be twenty seven thousand seven hundred dollars for a married couple mm. that's a lot of expenses um between your mortgage interest as we're talking about but your real estate taxes or state and local taxes and yeah maybe charitable contributions help get you there as well but it's it's a harder threshold to clear that's why less and less people are even itemizing yeah every year when you're doing your taxes you've got to ask yourself three questions and uh this is i I would argue this is whether you're working with uh, CPA like Ryan or our team, or you're doing it yourself or whatever, you still have to ask yourself these three questions. And most people fail to do that. But the first is right before you sign that e-file, right before you file your return, you've got to look and say, is, do I understand where every number came from? Is this, is this an accurate return? And this is where, okay, did I capture every deduction? Did I 
did I miss any forms? Like, you've got to know, is this an accurate return? That's that's the first question. Second question then, also before you sign, is, is there anything I can do right now to improve last year's return before I file it? Is there an HSA contribution I could make or an IRA contribution? Is there some other way? Is there an opportunity for me to improve this tax year before I file the return? And then the third question is, all right, here we are in the spring of this year. Are there any tax changes or changes in my life that are going to impact my taxes for this current year that I need to take advantage of or be aware of and start planning for right now, whether that's February or March or April, so that a year from now, my tax picture is in a good situation. So that's that's the tax planning process. There's a lot of changes this year. Some of those Secure Act, we're going to get to that here in a little bit. But the first one that I would argue, we would argue, you've got to be aware of right now is contribution limit changes. If, if Because if you look and say, oh, gosh, well, it's November. I could have done more. You might not have the cash flow to do it. It might be it might be too late or feel too late. So here, February, what are those contribution changes? What are some of the things that you need to be aware of to plan for for 2023? Yeah, and we're talking about retirement plan contributions. Yep. So if you have a 401k at work, or maybe your employer has offered you a simple IRA that you can contribute to out of each paycheck, it is important to just know, well, how, how big is the bucket that I'm allowed to contribute to? Especially those of you that are later in your uh, working career, maybe you are empty nesters. Uh, you could afford to live off less of your income and really stuff uh, a lot of money into these retirement plans as you finish getting ready for this major goal, this major life change of uh, transitioning into retirement. So, um, you know, this this was a year where significant swings upward. There, yeah. there are more contributions that you're allowed to make. Last year, it used to be, so when I when I talk about last year, 2022, you were allowed to contribute up to $20,500 to a 401k. And it was another 6500 on top of that if you were close to retirement, over age uh, 50. This year, that number has jumped quite a bit, 22500 now anyone can contribute to as long as they earn that much. And then again, if you're over age 50, it's another 7,500. So $30,000. If you're 50 plus, that's, that is a monster contribution that you can make. If you are, if, if you turn 50 this year, <laughs> your contribution limit and you were hoping as part of your financial plan, and I want to max this thing out every single year. You went from 20,500 to 30 grand in your contribution limit yeah. if you turned age 50. And we've got I've got some clients that did. And so, yeah, be aware of that, right? Yeah, that's not huge. something that in November you can all of a sudden say, oh, is there anything else I could do? Oh, I could probably increase my contribution. And it's a little too late. That's right. Or it's going to feel a little too late. That's, that's right. And being allowed to do something and being able to do it, I recognize are sometimes two <laughs> different things, right? Having the extra cash flow, the the freedom and the flexibility in, in your cash flow to be able to do that may be, may be tough. But for those who need to catch up on a contribution or those who maybe receive some extra cash somewhere and can afford to do these these extra contributions, man, what, what a blessing that is to now in 2023 have a bigger bucket to contribute to. IRA contribution limits. Ryan, you got those right right there? Got those handy? Yeah. So IRAs are also going up for 2023. So 2022, the max you could do is 6,000 and that's going up to 6,500 for 2023. And then each year you could do an extra thousand dollar catch up if you're uh if you're age, yeah, 50. Yeah, they 50 didn't in, increase that catch up. Right. No. That's interesting. It, it's always puzzling what Congress chooses to change and adjust and what they leave 
steady. Well, they're actually within the Secure Act 2.0, which we're about to start talking about. They're going to start ratcheting that up for inflation as well, but not for not for a little bit. HSA contributions that also increased. Now, the IRA contribution limits that Ryan mentioned, that's IRA and Roth. You've got up until April 15 to make a contribution for 2022. So, yes, this is one that is changing. The limit's changing for 2023, so be aware. So if you fund that every single month and you were doing 500 a month, increase it a little bit right now so that you can hit that max for 2023. But it just also know as you're doing that second question, what what before I file my return, what changes could I make this year? You could fund your HSA your or your IRA. HSA contribution limits going up a little bit as well. What other changes? What about the Secure Act 2.0? We've got all that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, what changes are happening either in your life or in the in the taxes that you need to account for right now as you plan ahead for your tax planning for 2023. We're helping you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory, special guest, Ryan Fair. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on is on podcast. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, rate the program. We We appreciate that. All right, so speaking of changes, every time I have on high alert, and this is because of just uh, gobs and gobs of experience. Anytime someone changes jobs or mm-hmm. their company changes payroll providers, I'm on high alert. For sure. Because you think, well, everything's pretty much the same. You know, I filled out that W-4 the way I always do and whatever. And then you you do someone's taxes and you realize their withholdings are wildly different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the other one, and this is more recent, is, um, is well, yeah, I mean, my income's changed, everything's Oh, but I did start the side business. And I mean, it's not much. I got about 15 grand of income. Oh, my goodness. That, that means, you know, five grand of taxes due or something. And so, Ryan, let's let's talk about these are one of the changes. You might be sitting here right now saying, well, I've got a different job or I've switched to part time or I'm laid off or something or I've started a side hustle. And one of the things that you need to be aware of that's changing in your taxes this year is how you're going to pay taxes in. And you don't want to figure that out in December. And worst of all, you don't want to figure it out in March or April of next year. <laughs> so how, how do you, with those changes, Ryan, how does someone make sure that they pay the right amount in for taxes? When do, is that due? Help us understand some of that. Yeah, so you, you hit on one of the big things for, for people that are currently working. Look at your pay stub every once in a while. So mm-hmm. with everything being online, nobody looks at their pay stubs anymore because you don't get a physical check. It's all direct yeah. deposited. So if somebody changes their job, like, yeah, I signed up. I knew I got a raise at my job. So I just assumed that bigger deposit in my bank account was part of the raise. Well, no, it's because they stopped. They weren't withholding taxes. Right. So, so yeah, even if you haven't changed jobs, just periodically check your, check your pay stub and do some quick math on there and make sure that they're withholding you know, a reasonable percentage for taxes. Quick quick question. Ryan, has anyone ever gotten mad at you because <laughs> they didn't withhold enough taxes? Uh, every year. Yeah, <laughs> I am I am the bad guy. Yeah. So it's it's unbelievable. And and right, that seems like such a basic thing. Well take a look at your your uh your pay stub. Gosh, could no, no one no one wants to do that, but yeah, that does help because you might think everything's the same. But tax withholding tables are strange. Payroll companies, they should be following 
the tax withholding forms, but we sort of have two of them happening at one yeah. time. You might have gotten a bonus. It's just yeah, all it's, of that. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah, withholdings are are easy. You just have to look at them. So, uh, <laughs> so your 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 regular paycheck should have withholdings. Retirement distributions you can have withholdings on those. Um, pensions, even Social Security, you can do withholdings for federal taxes on your Social Security, which a lot of people don't don't know. But everything else. So Mike mentioned the side jobs could be other investment income, interest, dividends, capital gains. You can't really have withholdings on any of that stuff. So you are responsible for doing the withholding by paying that in quarterly. Or, or you have extra withheld on one of those yeah. other sources of income. Yep. Maybe maybe you're being extra aggressive on your withholdings or or extra generous to the government out of yeah. your paycheck, and that covers some additional income that you have in your life. Yeah, good point. I tell people that all the time. The IRS doesn't care where the money comes from. They just want the money paid in timely, which is mm -hmm. throughout the year, not at you know, not on April 15th necessarily. So what we talk to clients about, we call it the safe harbor, or the IRS calls it the safe harbor, where you have to pay in a certain percentage of your tax in advance. So those percentages, you have to pay in at least 100% of your prior year's total tax. So you can look at your 2022 tax return. And 2021. Do, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, for, 2022. Right, yeah, right, so right. you can look at your 2022 tax return when we get it done, and then you can do the math and make sure you're on pace to have at least 100% of your prior year tax paid in. Or 90% of the current year's total tax, which you don't know what that's going to be yet. Yeah. So um, the only... Additional thing there is if your AGI is over 150,000, instead of doing 100% of the prior year's total tax, you have to do 110% of the prior year's total tax. So basically, those I know it's confusing, but that's the 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 safe harbor is what you have to pay attention to. The whole reason that we do the safe harbor or pay in those estimates timely is to avoid any underpayment penalty. So if you get to next year at tax time, we look at how much you're going to owe the government if it's over a thousand dollars that you're short and you owe that much but you haven't met any safe harbors then you you have underpayment have penalties. penalties calculated mm -hmm. on a quarterly basis so so those get calculated right on your tax return if you don't include them the irs will usually send you a notice that said hey you were underpaid last year uh, throughout the quarters and uh, you owe us some extra money yeah you know they complicate it even more though because even if you got to the end of the year and you had paid 90% of this year's tax and you're only going to owe another 10% on top, mm -hmm. um, you could still be hit with some interest penalties and everything because of that word that you used earlier, timely, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And their definition of timely is an interesting one. In my mind, it's like, well, uh, as long as it's paid by the time my taxes are due, then I should be good, right? Uh, no. So they want timely is quarterly. However... So if you hear people talking about paying quarterly taxes or quarterly estimates, that's what they're speaking about. Uh, however, the IRS or government has a strange definition of quarter also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you and I think quarter means every three months. Not true for the government. So the first quarter estimate is due April 15th. So that's the same day that your balance due from the prior year is, uh -huh. is also due. So April 15th of whatever year is the first due date. So that would make sense. The end of the three months, you get 15 days to pay it. Yep, yep that makes sense. However, the next quarter is only two months away. So April 15th to June 15th is the next quarter. 
And then we go three we go back to three months. So that pushes it out to September 15th is the third quarter due. So okay, we're good with that. But then the last quarter goes all the way until January 15th. So four there's four months. months. Yeah. So it's three months and then two months, three months, four months. It makes no sense. So you don't get to pick which quarter you just decide to send some money off. They want it spread out equally or at least uh, getting the tax paid to them in the same quarter that the income was received is another way to, to think about yes. it as well. So this is an important detail. You know, for you to be working with your certified financial planner, especially as you're going through years of transition, um, you, you know, Mike, you mentioned starting a side hustle or you you started a business of some kind. Man, that can really swing a tax return. And if you're not paying attention, you're not making those quarterly tax payments, you might get to the end of the year and have one nasty tax surprise because that type of income, if if you are doing a self-employed type of arrangement. You're going to pay federal taxes on that, state taxes, local taxes, and then an extra tax, 15.3% of self-employment tax thrown on top of that. And imagine if you did have 15 grand, I think was the example that you you shared, $15,000 getting hit with all those layers of taxes and you didn't pay along the way. Right. And then that's how people get in trouble for future years also, because they, we do their taxes in February, March, They've got this balance due by April 15th, but then also they have to start prepaying their 2023 taxes the same date, April 15th, and then it just kind of spirals out of control. Right. This is the the tax death loop for self-employed individuals Mm -hmm. because you look and you say, hey, you you owe this much. Do you have the cash for it? Well, I mean, I could probably scrounge it together. Well, that's based on 15000 of income. How much do you think you're going to do this year? Oh, well, I was only doing that on the side. Like, I'm going to ramp it up because it did so well. So- I'll probably do 30 this year. Oh, my goodness. So not only do you need to pay last year's taxes, you now need to start these quarterly estimates. We've seen a lot of people that just go year to year where they're always a year behind, and it is painful. You know what? Inevitably, someone gets to the end of their first year. They've had a profitable year. It's been good. But then they're suddenly educated Mm -hmm. on how the taxes work there. And we always get the question, well, is it even worth it for me (laughs) to be doing this? Yes, it absolutely yeah. is worth it to be doing that self-employment work, to have that side hustle. But you have to be thinking in terms of what are the tax ramifications that come with it. We're not trying to scare you away from going out and, and earning extra income for your family. That is fantastic resources to be able to help you achieve goals and everything. But we are trying to give you just a little bit of uh, of fear so that you're warned to take the right action proactively with your certified financial planner and your CPA. And tax is always a percentage of the income. So so a- absolutely. There's something we're going to sneak in here in the next segment about potentially rental some rental activities being self subject to self-employment taxes, but also what about some of these secure exchanges that are coming up? So we've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and special guest CPA, CFP, Ryan Fair. Talking about taxes right now. If you want to stay up to date on on Wise Money content, you can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Talking about 
tax planning and all the tax law changes. Every time you file your taxes, before you file the return, you've got to ask yourself three questions. First is, do I understand where all these numbers came from? And that doesn't mean you've got to be a tax expert. But if you're not, if you're doing your own return, you've got to double check, make sure you got every deduction, counted everything. If you're working with a CPA or, or, or a firm to help you get your taxes done, you need to go through it with them and they can point out, hey, this is where this number comes from and this and this. So you've got to make sure it's accurate. That's the first question. Do I understand this tax return where every number came from? Number two, is there anything I can do right now before I file this return to improve my tax situation? And so are there any tax planning opportunities that I should consider before it's too late, before I file a return? And then the third one, is what changes, what tax changes or what personal changes are happening to you this year that you need to adapt your planning with right now? Secure Act 2.0. So some of you know of this as the omnibus spending bill or as a way to fund the government for a couple of weeks that was passed on Christmas Eve. No, guys, this is Secure Act 2.0. They were pushing for this thing most of the year. Now, I don't know, guys, your opinion. I like it because it gives a lot more options. Financial planning is all about creating options for yourself. And then once you have those options, picking the, the wise choice, the best choice. Fewer options means you know fewer ability to make a, a, you know, a, a great choice or whatever. So, but here's the problem. Secure Act 2.0, wildly complicated things. You, sure. you can't figure it out on your own. So we're gonna hit a couple of those changes. Um, before we do, actually, I'm, I'm going to take a quick tangent. We talked about uh, last time self-employment tax, those sorts of things. There's another new rule potentially kicking in for 2022 that may impact your rental property. So just work with, if you have a vacation rental, Airbnb, something like that, if you're offering substantial services, which that's sort of subjective, the mm -hmm. IRS has tried to define that a little bit, given some examples they might that your rental income might be subject to self-employment tax which is normally not the case mm -hmm. they're just trying to distinguish between well you have a, a, a an unfurnished rental house that someone just moves into for a long time versus you have a rental house that you furnish you provide turn down services you provide amenities and all sorts of things well that's sort of operating like a hotel mm -hmm. and they want to tax that like a business and so work with your CPA on that. But. All right, let's get into some of the Secure Act rules. First is required minimum distribution. They made another change with this. Josh, explain the RMD rules right now before this change. Well, required minimum distributions are the government's way of forcing you to start drawing out of your tax-sheltered accounts that you've been been using for retirement savings. So think your 401k or traditional IRAs, that kind of thing. You, you've been for decades maybe sheltering money outside the reach of the government. It's been growing and growing without being taxed along the way. Eventually, they want their chance to tax you. And so required minimum distributions were created as a way to say, all right, at this age out there in the future, you're going to have to start making at least a minimal amount of a withdrawal so that they can start to count it as income and, and tax you for the longest time. Like for our entire yeah. careers, yeah. Uh, it was the age 70 and a half. And we would always make fun of, why did you make it 70 and a half? Why not just 70 or 71 or whatever? Mm -hmm. We never got an answer, but they changed it. They changed it to age 72 with Secure Act 1.0, yeah. the, the original version of the two or three years back, uh, I guess it's been. Um, but here, here's the here's the change. Now, 
with Secure Act 2.0, they're extending the age again. So yep. it's age 73 now, and they're going to keep ratcheting that up. By the by, the time we're 10 years out, it'll be age 75. So, boy, uh, it's not only uh, complicating um, the, the rules just because it's changing them, but it's building in intentional changes over time as well. So don't get too comfortable thinking <laughs> that you understand how this all works because uh, there's curveballs coming. Well, speaking of, the way the rule works, it's actually a little unique that no one is going to turn a certain age this year that requires them to start a, an RMD. No hmm. one. No one in that, 2023. Yeah. Because if you're turning 73 this year, which is the new age, that means you were 72 last year. And last year, the rule was you needed to start your RMD at 72. So you just have to continue it. So if you're turning 73 this year, you were 72 last year, you already started your RMD, you have to keep doing it. So starting essentially next year, if you turn 73 next year, then that's when you have to turn on your RMD. If you were born in 1960 or later, your RMD is going to be age 75. We're going to have the same issue out there in 2033, I believe, Mm -hmm. where no one is going to age into RMD at that age either in that year because it's moving to 75. So strange. I'll tell you a couple things. The old, if you inherited an IRA from someone you uh, and they passed away before 1-1 of 2020, then you could stretch your with your RMD from that account over your entire life expectancy. Um, and that hasn't, that, that didn't change if, you know, you can still do that. But if someone, if you inherited an IRA from someone who passed after 1-1 of 2020, it's no longer, a, you can no longer stretch. You've got to take that money out within 10 years. And we've been waiting for the IRS to interpret, well, during those 10 years, do you have to take an RMD or not? Mm-hmm. And despite the over 4,000 pages of tax law changes in Secure Act 2.0, we still don't know. They, they didn't <laughs> bother to answer the biggest question related to the, the first version of Secure Act. Yeah, so the IRS is still trying to interpret what did Congress mean. I think they're going to say you have to do RMD and the 10-year rule, but we don't know yet. We don't know. So You know, uh, one of the... The, the biggest things that we would emphasize to people as they were transitioning into this required minimum distribution phase of their life, uh, reaching age 70 and a half in the old days, 72 most recently, was don't miss, don't, don't mess up and forget to do this, right? Yeah. Don't miss a required minimum distribution because the penalty for not doing that minimal amount of a withdrawal was a 50% penalty. So if the calculation each year said, well, you have to pull $5,000 out and you failed to do it, you're looking at a $2,500 penalty just for not complying, essentially. Well, they're changing that rule even. And just to make it more complicated, Uh, right? right. They they are making it a little bit more friendly. It's only going to be 25% penalty now. Or... Eventually, they're gonna they're gonna add in this extra little caveat that says, well, uh, as long as you fix it within a timely manner, then we'll only penalize you ten percent. Defining uh, what was a reasonable time frame, all of that. Um, th- those again, every new law creates new questions that have to be sorted out and interpreted by the IRS and defended sometimes in court when people appeal and and all that. But. Yeah. And it all means your planning, your awareness. It needs to, it, it, this, it's all going to change. It, one other, let's sneak this in. And that is, this one actually isn't changing until 2025. So you've got a couple of years for this. But 
they are making some enormous changes. I'm not going to say improvements to catch up contributions. And you might say, well, what, what is there to change? When you turn age 50, you're allowed to do this extra amount. Well, they're adding, that's still going to be true. But when you turn age 60, you can actually do a higher catch up contribution. And get this the catch up contribution at age 60 is either 10 grand or 150% of what the current catch up contribution is. Okay, the current catch up contribution is 7,500. What's 150% of that? Over 11,000. So why even put the 10 grand number in the stinking law? Hmm. Just to confuse hmm. people. It doesn't even make sense. So you might say, okay, well, I get that. At age 50, I, there's a catch-up contribution that starts. And then at age 60, there's one. It's not that simple. At age 60, you can do this special contribution. Same with 61, 62, and 63. But when you turn age 64, your catch-up contribution has to go back to the way it was. <laughs> Right? I know. That, that's this the right is... response, Josh. That's the right response. So here we go. And we'll, we'll go back to this. Um, uh, do you like the Secure Act 2.0? Yeah, it gives you more flexibility. I love the idea that you can stuff more into your retirement plans during that time. But why make it so complicated? Just make a new, a new catch-up contribution that starts at 60 for the rest of your working career. Doesn't make any sense, guys. So, all right. Hopefully, I'm going to go back to what Josh shared. Hopefully, we were able to explain some of these tax law changes, but the design wasn't to have you become a tax expert, but to have you have greater awareness of what the changes are so you can work with your CFP and CPA to do better tax planning. That's all the time we have. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Ryan Fair, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Because I, I, I don't want a monologue. I like listening to you, Mike. Well, it feels awkward. <laughs> and I'm assuming you might be the only one. So, Probably. Yeah. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.